Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, also, this is the wind-up. This is the introduction. Hello, Josh Brown. I'm Scott Tilford. How are you? I'm in pain, Scott Tilford. <laughs> Let me tell From you that. From that song that we attempted, or just in general? A bit of both, because life. that song, which I think is called September by yes. Wind and Fire. Yes. I've heard that so many times in the club, uh-huh. and I only know... <laughs> in the club? <laughs> in the club? <laughs> and I only know the line, September. <laughs> I yes. I feel like else. everyone just kind of goes, blah, blah, September, like just sort of bring it back in again. And I want to say it's party hard. Until September, but I, I, there's not enough. I can't make that fit. I would never have guessed that. Party hard, party September. hard. If Andrew WK ever did a version of this song, he would very much call it party hard, yeah. and it would be it would unite all the spheres. I'd listen to that of good things in my life. Um, so this is the windup where um, we dive into whatever the latest talking points in the industry are, whether it's new stuff, whether it's game stuff. Obviously, game stuff continues to not be that active right now. Yes. However, you are about to talk about a new video game that is out there. Can you believe it? I can't really believe it. I kind of forgot it existed. I did download it. We'll get there. Um, and then we'll dive into some uh, new stuff as well, because there are actually some new stories doing the rounds at the minute. Um, but we'll start with what we've been playing. So the first thing is As Dusk Falls, which is sort of like the latest... Um narrative adventure choose your own adventure style dialogue driven thing yes. that's doing the rounds it's on Game Pass um, so I downloaded this and I haven't played it I think people will know it from the kind of interesting art design style that it has where it's almost it almost looks like a lot of photos were taken of the characters and they sort of just blend between each other and that's the animation I quite like that but I saw yeah. a lot of people saying it looked cheap yeah it's very strange It's I wouldn't necessarily say cheap you know right. it's an interesting way to get around how many scenarios that they have in the game because mm-hmm. like you said it is a choose your own adventure adventure where you're making dialogue options, you know, you're branching your pathways off and stuff, and it's an interesting style because you do have regular game animation in there. For mm. instance, if you're you're in a car at one point and the car kind of swerves uh, against incoming traffic and all that's uh. rendered regularly and then you oh, okay. cut back to the characters who were in that kind of motion graphic style mm-hmm. and it, it does take some getting used to. There are some unintentionally hilarious faces that um, <laughs> are lingered on now and again uh, to the reaction Even shots Even though they're still shot, so they kind of, they kind of should have been like sorted, I guess, rather well, than make it look stupid. I, I guess so. It's just, you know, because they're still trying to wring emotion out of mm. the quote-unquote performances. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, things are getting intense, like the faces will change uh, from, you know, kind of bewildered to angry and whatnot mm. to match the dialogue. Right. And that kind of makes sense. Like I said, it just takes a lot of getting used to. It's a really, like, unique um, game, and I've been having a lot of fun with it, but I find it quite funny because if you remember the announcement for it, yes. uh, the developers were talking about how they want 
wanted this to feel like a prestige TV show. Mm. And it feels like a soap opera. And it's not a prestige <laughs> TV show. But I actually wouldn't have it any other way. Because okay. I like the pulpiness of these soap opera stylings. Right. It's very much a kind of script in a in a sense of direction that's aiming for, you know, a Breaking Bad style so, uh, story. Yes. But it's, it's, it's reaching, like... EastEnders story. Oh god, okay. But I like that a lot. I if they they should have why did no one ever do a Coronation Street EastEnders Brookside <laughs> choose your own adventure dialogue driven game? Why does that not exist? Why are there not more soap opera games? I think if when that All of our is collective made, mums would yeah, love those games. I don't think my mum would love that, you know. Well she'd play one of them. She, what was her favourite soap? She used to like uh Hollyoaks. There which you go. Was my favourite soap. Yeah, too. that was like oh man, if they did like an OC one. I mean like they there's there's this is a whole wing of gaming that should exist. I'll tell you what. I Go would on. take Hollywood, not Hollywood, Hollyoaks <laughs> after dark, which is what they did, you know, as a limited event series where you could allow swearing and Ooh, sex in Hollyoaks. Right. It was, a, it was like the adult version. I would take a game version of that. Mm, I think what you would take is a Love Island version of this. Oh, my God. I know. Why is there not? Like, there's so many dating sims out there. Yeah. Do a Love Island game. I think you can get it on mobile. It's not going to be but the same, though, is it? I, no. want it? I want it in this style. I want it to be done properly. Do a Telltale style. Let me yes. have some ramifications. Quarry style as you get through uh, the island. Anyway, as does Falls, I keep getting confused with the one um, that's coming out that stars Caitlin Diva, and I think it's the next game by the Fulbright Company, who are the dudes that did Gone Home. Yeah. Um, I think it's called Open Roads or something like that. Yes, it is. And I, that be, is that definitely the right one? Because Yeah, it is. Actually. There's also another game called like Route 99 or something, and they're all the same game. They're all like <laughs> road trip games in dusty, like back of back of beyond America, um, stylings and everything. And I like that idea. Um, what is the actual premise of As, as Dusk Falls? What is the, the elevator pitch? Well, I'm pleased you ask, because that was what I was. <laughs> I was about to get into. The elevator pitch is you are playing as uh, this family who are driving across uh, America because they're moving house. Uh, <laughs> right. The the wife has you just got James a Dows? new job. You, can you play as James Dowd? Yeah, he was moving house last week. Was he was he really? helping someone move house. I wish you could play as James Dowd. I wish, yeah. Maybe you should play this Put game. Put him in more games, to be honest. Yeah, it'll be relatable for yeah. him. Yeah, so you're playing as this family who are moving house. They're driving across country. The wife has just got a new job. Uh, the husband has just lost his job. Mm. Uh, and they've just reconnected with the husband's father, who was estranged for many years. He's got a brain tumor. He's come back into the family yeah. to kind of reintegrate himself. So this family drama is coming coming along. They swerve out the road um, against some boys who are coming in the opposite direction, some rowdy lads <laughs> who are, you know, drinking, uh, and they're throwing stuff, and they're real meanies. Anyway, right. those lads, as it turns out, are on the way to kind of pull a burglary. Uh, they're, oh. they're robbing the house of the local sheriff. When this is all going on, uh, the family has to stay at this motel, and then the robbers end up at the same motel right. as a kind of like refuge, uh, trying to get away from the police. So then you have this hostage situation where you're playing yeah. as the family who are hostages of these robbers and all the tensions that come from uh -huh. with that. And you get flashbacks as well to the stories of the robbers before the robbery and the story of the family before they're in the situation a few days before they started to move. That's cool. And there's a bunch of soap opera drama that's going on. Uh, in between the action of this, you know, heist, essentially. Right. And there's a lot of really great um, scenes in there mm. where you have, like, agency over the characters and how they respond. And it's really intense, man. Like, a lot of the choices are genuinely the kind of, like, you're in the moment, you don't know what to pick, you don't want the scenario to unfold in a really unpredictable way. Because right. what I like about this 
is that like the characters are just pieces of trash in a lot of ways. <laughs> they've all got like baggage. They've all got bad things that they've done. Okay. And some of them are incredibly, incredibly unlikable. Like, you don't mind if they die. You don't mind if right. they die. And, and that's interesting to navigate. On the side of the robbers. 100%. I thought, especially early on, mm. I've not finished the game, by the way. I'm about halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, like you expect the robbers to kind of maybe have a heart of gold. Maybe kind of, you know, maybe you're going to eventually side with them to go against the police and whatnot. Right. But like in those early hours, their pieces of trash, man. They're right. like battering you around. They're like taking your wife and child hostage and Wait stuff. Wait a minute, I thought it's you meant really the, the family were trash. Oh, they're also, well, oh, okay. I don't want to spoil too much, okay, but okay. they have their history as well. They've okay. been through a lot of uh, a lot of stuff and right. there's a lot of twists uh, relating to that family, mm-hmm. which you find out that kind of colors your opinion of them in some really kind of, like I said, you know, hard hitting scenes mm. in a lot of ways. It's just twist after twist after twist in all of them, I was either shocked or I was like laughing. You know, it's a, it's a it's a funny game, both intentionally and unintentionally, with the oh, amount God. of stuff they throw at you. And I've been having a wild time. I've been playing it with my girlfriend, and uh-huh. we've been like, you know, you kind of like the quarry style. You get into those situations where you know you're both don't go kind in that of, room. Yeah, don't go in that room. You're looking at each other like, what do I do? What, what should we do next? I don't want these guys to die. Or how are we gonna, uh, you know, play out this relationship drama? Does this person deserve to be forgiven? For instance, for something they may or may not have done. All of those questions are going through your head and I'm really excited to play Mm -hmm. more. In terms of the art style and in terms of the way you control it, is it responsive? Does the art style get in the way at all? And like, do they bring across the, let's say, tropes of the genre? Like you've got a timer on screen, make this decision right now, things are going to happen. It's it's one of them at this stage. Yes, absolutely. Like it's (laughs) it's more of an interactive movie than Mm. a game, but that's in a good way because like I said, the art style is, is limited uh, in terms of what you could even do in the game anyway. So mm. you essentially have a cursor and it's classic adventure game style. You're moving the cursor around the screen sometimes uh, to kind of like, you know, check in a cupboard or do this <laughs> or what have you. And then you're choosing dialogue options that again, have that timer that gives you the sense of pressure. Mm. And then you have a few quick time events as well where you're, you know, swiping left on the D-pad okay. or you're trying to mash X to, you know, perform an action. Mm-hmm. That With- sounds cool. That's, I mean, the thing that got me in initially was that art style. I'm definitely curious to try it out. Like I said, I downloaded it and then, like I said, in my head, it's like all three games exist as one and I just want the Caitlin Diva one. I want the one right. by the Fulbright Company because I want to see what they've done. It's been forever since Tacoma um, and even longer since Gone Home. It's almost it's almost a decade since Gone Home. Yes. That was 2013. Crazy. Um, which makes me default more interested in that. But the way you're describing this as this sort of soap opera meets weighty decisions, people die simulator, yeah. I'm kind of game for that too. It's a lot of fun, man. It has some incredibly memorable characters in it. Like the grandfather or the father of the uh, husband is man like that dude has so much baggage it's almost comical like okay. the amount of twists that come out of his story he's right. such a, he's such a liability and I love that <laughs> I love any character who's just kind of like a mess right, you right, know right. you don't want this dude in a hostage situation he's gonna make <laughs> things worse and I love having him as a kind of agent of chaos and okay. I, I was howling at some of the things that he gets involved with but it's interesting because I I was howling at some of his developments, but you might not even see those developments, right? You oh, because of the branching Yeah, stuff. you might go down a different route uh, with uh, your options uh-huh. and you might not get those scenes, which is really cool. You know, after every chapter, you get the classic Telltale style uh, kind of like overview of your decisions. Uh, okay. So you understand how many percent, how many percentage of players chose X and mm-hmm. rather than Y, which is quite cool mm-hmm. because on a few of mine, it was like 20% of people did this. And it's right, okay. 
interesting okay. to see what the other outcome would have been because you kind of have to go through a chapter select to see that. Uh, so I don't know what the branching or how extensive the branching pathways are, mm. but when you just see the flow chart, these seem quite uh, intense, you know? I just, I hope more people play it for them. I feel like this genre has kind of become the streamer genre and it's like, like yeah. overall, it's like you um, may sometimes make these games for streamers, for audiences, for one person, just like, you know, steering the ship and they'll ask like the audience what they should do next and whatever and that's fine. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I feel like um, I encourage more people to play them because I feel like you should see those branching things yourself. You should have more agency in the story. Like some of the most memorable ones of these that I've been through are Heavy Rain or was the first season of The Walking Dead or whatever and I hope that enough people play this because um, it's just kind of just on Game Pass like it was advertised whatever but it's just kind of there now in amongst yeah. this other like malaise that's going on and I feel like it's not um, you know turning heads but it is available like the game has actually come out it was just in amongst everything else on Game Pass totally what I what I like about the choices in this one especially you know you said that uh, a lot of the fun is coming from your own agency within yeah. the story what I like about the choices in this game is that you know, sometimes when you play something like The Quarry, for as good as it is, you can kind wow. of see, you kind of, well, wow. as good as some people in this room think it is. Yes. You can kind of uh, see the workings of the developers putting the choices together. Mm. So you can kind of guess sometimes that if I do this, it'll lead to that, which will lead to a good outcome. What I like about this game is that, you know, the situations that you're thrown in are so unique mm -hmm. and so unpredictable that you might think you're doing the right thing or right. that will get you a good outcome. And then suddenly there'll be a, something you didn't think about that comes to bite you in the bum, which I, <laughs> which I really enjoy because, you know, I wouldn't know what the hell to do in a hostage situation. Mm. And that's reflected in the choices that I'm making, making some kind of like uh, like movie-based, like action movie choices uh -huh. that aren't paying off because these are not the Regular characters. People. Yeah, these are like that's supposed to be bit, real people. Yeah, that's a little bit like uh, this war of mine where it's like, we'll just kill the guy and take the supplies. No, that will give them a horrific depression and they might want to kill themselves. Like that's, you can't that. just put people in these scenarios. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the game that uh, we played, I think last year, where uh, Willem Dafoe, Daisy Ridley, James McAvoy, whatever that game's called. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. And um, the whole idea of like, the hostage situation, what would you do in that in that situation and just figure it out. Like I love um, games that put you in those scenarios and it's like, and they've, as long as they've mapped out and accounted for your choices and they're not just going to roadblock you with a, with a restart. Like that's why I um, really like, you know, bounced off 12 minutes because it was just like, no, you got this wrong. Go do half an hour of choices again to get back to that point. And um, same with the quarry. It's like something's just going to go wrong. Now this person's dead. Lol, keep going. It's just like, if you let me restart or whatever, let me have fun with the scenario, then there's a way to make it work but I get the um, the knock-on effect of that is that nothing has any weight because you can just keep restarting yeah. so I guess it depends how they balance that stuff uh, overall yeah I mean this so far like I've, like you have to live with your consequences mm. but unlike the quarry they do in the start menu have an easy way for you to uh, see those branching choices without having to replay the whole game right. uh, as like kind of like a, the, the non-canon version of the story or whatever right. uh, which which is really cool I like that because that it does encourage you like, like you say to mm. go and see those other options see what else is available which is really neat <laughs> i'm just man like it reminded me a lot of 12 minutes it's funny that you right. bring that up when i was playing it in terms of the quality of the story because similarly mm. i think they're two games that really had lofty ambitions and wanted to be like these really intense prestigious stories mm. and not and both of them are kind of way more overblown than perhaps the original <laughs> intention was but that's 
in both cases, the charm for me. It's 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 reaching for something and oh, yeah. not quite grasping it, but still having a lot of heart, still having a lot of charm, still having a lot of ambition. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I'm dragging it a lot by saying that it's not a prestige TV show or whatever, right. but I, I, I almost recommend it more that it's not that because it makes it more fun. It it's makes the Devil it, May Cry 2 of <laughs> no. te- telltale aping games. It's certainly not, but it's like, <laughs> it's more like... Uh, Final Fantasy 13? <laughs> I don't know. It has more in common with like Twin Peaks than it does okay. True Detective if that makes sense. Yes. There's a sense of um, surreality to it and there's an eccentricity to it. Which I which I like a lot. That's cool. Uh, I was gonna say my voice is croaky as hell in this room, and I think it's because I was yelling at you while we played Halo Two <laughs> the other night, and I still don't think I've, I've recovered from that. I've watched the footage back; it's on Twitter. Yeah, I love the way that went because I was just thinking of that before. I was like, my voice is still shot from me going no <laughs> as I dove off the map. Um, but I love that we both like we landed a rocket on each other, and then I dove to my death. Yes. So I was just like, this is a horrendous way to go out, but that has irrevocably broken my throat. It was the Rocky Three ending. You know, <laughs> is when a pop- Apollo Creed and Rocky both punch each other at the same time. Unfortunately, I wasn't near a death drop oh. and managed to win. Yeah, that was a, that was really intense because yeah. I'm not sure if you know this, Scott. I mean, you do now because we just <laughs> played Halo 2 where yes. I wasted a quite impressive lead, I must say. I'm I The way that went where you... Because like, we'd had a lot of cocktails. I had a lot of cocktails by yeah. that point. I was working my way through the menu. Shout out to NQ64 in, in uh, Newcastle, or countrywide at this point in the UK, um, for opening up a barcade in Newcastle. We're not sponsored by them, but yeah. that's where we were. And um, that whole thing, I, they have a whole cocktail menu. I was working my way through that, and I was like, let's play Halo. That'll be lovely. I'm good at Halo, I think. I'll do that. And then one thing that hit me immediately was how it felt from... Two, it was like 2004. Like, I've been playing that Master Chief Collection version of Halo 2, which yeah. is a world away from how it felt back in the day. Um, but yes, Harry, carry on. No, I was just going to say, like, I'm, I'm a big bottler. Like, if I'm winning... <laughs> And I've got people watching me. I will throw the game. You did very well. Nine times out of ten. Right. I didn't. I almost lost. Scott, and I had a five. I only needed one more point. You managed to get five out of nowhere. Is you were the doing. Issue. You were doing very well. Uh, you were well ahead, and we had Nicholas was filming us. So he was with us anyway. And like, um, yeah, you were so far ahead. I was like, I've got it. I can't lose this much. Like, what am I doing? And um, so yeah, I managed to like claw it back. And then we were. It was first to fifteen. You wanted to um, cap it at ten. Yeah. I think you were. You were. We would have won if we capped it at ten. And then you didn't win anyway. But like, then we were like, let's do it at fifteen. That's what the match thing is and I managed to get it back to 14s each and there's one bit go check out the Twitter footage where we just shoot at each other the final point and I jump as I shoot and I jump off the map but both of us still hit each other so both of our shields went down the next hit would have done it but I killed myself which gave you the point I was yeah, just like man. oh my god so close would you like to tell the people the other game that we played a little game called Tekken 2 <laughs> which which I have never played by the way Tekken 5? well let's not talk about Tekken 5 would have been Tekken 2 oh sorry Tekken 2 Street Fighter 2 yeah Yes, Street Fighter Two, which, yes. which I'm I I am not well versed in, and yet and yet still came out on top. It's, What's I, that about, Scott? I, I, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I might have spent some time googling this because <laughs> I was just like, how am I dying when I'm landing so many more hits on you? Or my drunk brain thought I was anyway. And I played as Ryu, you played as Blanca, and you just you kill. I, I feel like I hit you loads, and your dude just would not die. I and don't then know if I was blocking, can you block? In you can't block. You just don't push anything. Okay, uh, or you push the direction away. Either way, um, yeah, I googled this stuff. I was like, is there damage allocation? Does Blanca do more damage? What's going on? And there's a whole Reddit thread of people like me going like, well, there must be something wrong with this. And it's just like some characters do take more damage than others. Apparently Ryu's defense is not very good. 
Right. I wish I knew that going right, in. I would have played as someone else. But still, you wiped the floor with me in Street Fighter 2, and then I wiped the floor with you in Tekken 5. Annihilated. It which, was unbelievable. <laughs> which I kind of needed at that point in the night, because I'd lost Halo and I'd lost Street Fighter. I was like, what even am I at this stage? Um, but I think overall, uh, it's like one game each that we trounced each other at, and then we met in the middle of Halo, but you still won at because I died. But I want to carry that forward to whatever our next thing is. See, I don't. I want to retire right now <laughs> while I'm on top, and I will never lose this bragging right. I don't ever want to lose it, because it's something that I can hold over you forever. I well, think. you could if my brain recognized it as you winning. I <laughs> recognize it more as me diving off the map. I genuinely, I give it to you, but I want to carry that forward. I don't fully take that as a loss. I mean, yeah. I d- defeated myself. You might have, but on the scoreboard, when it mm. comes to the big W and whose name <laughs> is right next to that, I'm afraid it was Josh Brown's, you know? Big dub. Of Speaking day. of big wins, you wanted to mention on the podcast that you'd had a lovely Guinness this weekend. I had. You wanted to drop well, that in. I was just going to say, speaking of this we'll lovely get to the weekend game yeah. that we've both had, I wanted to tell you yeah. that uh, yesterday I was out with a friend of mine, Matt, who plays in, in a great band called The Academic, which yes. everyone should check out. And I was going to the pub with him, and he said, I'll get you a drink. What do you want? And I was like, whatever you're having. Right. And then he offered me. I got there, and there was a Guinness on the table. And I thought, lad. this is lovely. But at the same time, I've never had a pint of Guinness in my life. <laughs> I've drank bits of Why Guinness. Why have you never had Guinness? Well, it's just because it looks like Bovril. You know what I mean? Yeah. It yeah. looks like a, a, a roast dinner in a, in a, in a pint glass. And, <laughs> it and is I, oily. And I was too ashamed to say that I've never had a pint of Guinness. Right. So he was saying, oh, very smoky notes. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea what this is supposed to taste like. <laughs> and what I wanted to say, I know you're you know, a connoisseur of stouts and whatnot. Yes. So I was going to say, is it mad to never have a Guinness? And are you a Guinness fan? And where does the perfect Guinness come from? I think, I don't think it's mad to never have one, but I think the reputation of Guinness, it's it should be, quote unquote, one of the first things you try once you're of legal age or whenever you want to get interested in alcohol. I, in terms of Guinnesses, it never really clicked with me. I do think it's an acquired taste. Um, but when I went to Ireland and actually went to the Guinness brewery, that was the best Guinness in the world. Like, I mean, it literally is. It's yeah. like, the, it's the best sourced stuff. Um, and me and my wife just drank Guinness like, four days straight, which if you're going to do that, you're going to be prepared for your body doing stuff to you afterwards. <laughs> Just saying. No one told me that was going to happen. But um, Guinness, yeah, I uh, I think it's an acquired taste that once you've acquired it, is incredible. And I forget what your third question was. Um, it was just, I think it was just, where's the best Guinness from? Mm, that definitely, I definitely go to the brewery. Um, yeah. I love the brewery. Um, but yeah, I think, what did you think of it as never having had it before? Because it's it, it's a weird uh, flavor group and it's like a whole other thing. Yeah, It was way better than it looked, is Good. what I'll say. Yes. I really, oh, it's I, so smooth, man. It is. It's yeah. so much smoother than I expected Stouts to be. Away, brother. And I really enjoyed it, and I just thought I'd bring it up because Scott Telford, if you don't know at home, is my trustworthy source for anything liquid based. We just had a coffee brew this morning. That's exactly it. The man was showing me how to brew a proper coffee this morning. <laughs> he is my surrogate father and will get me through the liquid based problems of my life. Yes, from now and forever. Yes, we did some lovely little coffee brewing. I can't make a connection. Actually, yes, I can. Joel Miller loves a good coffee. I've been right. playing Last of Us 2. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit and then we'll get into the gaming news. Um, Last of Us 2, I wanted to go back to because obviously the part one remake, remaster, whatever you want to call it, is coming out later this year. A lot of controversy around that as whether it's worth £70, whatever. But I've not played through Last of Us 2 since 2020. And I like that game as a game. I like that, like the way that it played and everything. I think it's, it is immaculate. It's just that when I hit the credits, I just didn't, I didn't want that story like from a, from a Last of Us sequel. Um, and it kind of just put me off replaying it or going for the platinum or whatever. Um, now, two years later, I think that time passed only benefits that game. Like the more you can divorce yourself from and the leaks that happened, like all the conversations around what happened in the story, 
um, the shock factor that comes with the intro. I think that level of shock that comes from the intro, which Naughty Dog themselves or Neil Druckmann has said, they didn't expect people to react this much to what happens at the start of that game to keep it spoiler free. Um, but I, I don't know how they couldn't expect that really. I mean, I think they just didn't really, didn't realize just how much people were investing in certain aspects of that story. Um, but my point is that that is such a sideswipe when you play it in 2020 that it's very hard to think about anything else. Yeah. And so because the story is then bisected between two characters, you just want to get back to the character set that tells you more about the thing that just happened. And so for me, the first time I went through it, I kind of was just rushing to get back to the Ellie stuff. I just wanted to know more about her and what she was going to do next. And as much as I really like Abby as a character, I didn't care. Like, I always think that the test in Last of Us 2 is that um, there's a scene where you play as Abby and you go up against Ellie for the first time when they finally meet each other. It's a boss fight. Um, basically, I always ask people, like, you know, did you let Ellie kill you as your, as Abby? Did you see if the story was going to branch? Because I think you can hinge the whole game on that fight because at that point you're supposed to be in, from Abby's perspective, and you're supposed to, like, at least just fight Ellie and maybe win as Abby, maybe see her point of view. I think the fact that nearly all of us, everyone I've ever talked to has just said, yeah, I'll let Ellie beat me because I'm still on her side and yeah. whatever. Um, kind of breaks that game. However, to bring it back to now, um, I think that as much as I've not got to the Abbey stuff yet, I'm about 16 hours in. I'm like rinsing that game. Yeah. Um, I'm on a harder difficulty, which I would massively recommend. I think that game is much better on hard or grounded. Um, more so hard because you keep the listen mode stuff. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. 
For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, but I just think it really works as more of a mystery narrative. Like, if you take the thing that happens at the start as just a catalyst and not this oh-my-God moment, then the rest of that game's framing is just a really cool mystery narrative where you don't know why the thing is that's gone down and you're trying to piece it all together. Um, and I said the difficulty side of it, it just works as really, really brutal survival horror where you're just, you know, getting crafting components, putting things together, trying to figure out the truth. And if you just try and take it more as it is and not as a Last of Us 2 then right. it kind of works better that way. Like, the more baggage you bring in from one, the more things you want to see, the more that game doesn't want to show you them, which is one of the things that, one of the reasons why people hate it so much. You mentioned a lot of really interesting points there. Thank and you. I'm loving your uh, Last of Us 2 uh, re-journey, I would describe <laughs> it as. I want to quickly touch upon the Joel thing, yes. not to open up that discourse too much, but the response to uh, how Joel's story goes in the sequel always surprised me because mm. I always thought that was so heavily hinted at from the very first trailer. Really? I remember me and you, I mean, one of my very first videos at whatculture.com was about True. that first trailer mm -hmm. and uh, how we thought Joel's story was going to go and I, uh, you know, again, no major spoilers for The Last of Us mm -hmm. Part 2, but you you could always sense that he had consequences coming his way for what happened in Part 1. You could always, t I always oh. felt like that was unfinished and that he wasn't going to get away with his actions right. without facing the music in some form, at least for me, so I was bracing myself all the way through the right, game. Right for him to kind of have to own up to, you know, what he's done. Like, mm. I didn't think that Naughty Dog was going to let this guy necessarily live with uh, the events What of he's Part done. One. Yeah, who the he words, is as a person. You yes, know? in the words of Linkin Park, what he's done. But I think, for me, the whole value, or a big part of the, the value in Last of Us 1, was that philosophical com philosophical conversation that came out of the ending, which was, what would you have done? Would you have sacrificed the, the few for the many, etc.? And that the interpretational nature of the final cut, the fact that they show Ellie's facial expression and just cut to black, and it's like, what do you think she's thinking? What do you think Joel sees in her? Well, how much truth is there in that exchange? Does she know the truth etc i love how much mileage there was there in that conversation like we did we've done videos on like you know is joel the villain etc and i didn't i think it's interesting that naughty dog just went no he is the villain and like we're going to literally give you the answer yeah and i think that that's that's as a creative um for a creative studio that's a hell of a swerve to do when you've had almost like almost a decade of conversations around interpretational endings to literally go back and go no you guys got it wrong it's this yeah and then to sort of like and then not only to like nail that to the wall but to do so with such a visceral scene um, and then to then you know pad it out that way and make you see this other person's perspective and everything else um, I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from because as much as you can say like if you take it down the perspective of like I would never do not me but if you were on that side of I would never do what Joel did um, then meeting it out that way is like well you were just wrong and like you know it's that whole thing um, and I think that the way that they play it into I think is very bold um, and like I said it's it the, the, the reason I that I, I have a whole other 
um, thought process on it is that they've rebranded Last of Us 1 to Last of Us Part 1 and I think that when you start thinking of Last of Us Part 2 as the middle point in hopefully a trilogy because they've said they've mapped out a Part 3 um, I think it makes the whole thing sit differently I think you think of it as um, what will hopefully be Ellie's trilogy but if you think of the whole thing as Ellie's story overall and not Joel's story I think once you see the whole set of actions from her perspective I think it um, it makes that whole opening swerve just land differently yeah. Um, and you sort of see just how much her actions are influenced by Joel across part two and how visceral she's becoming and how much she doesn't really want to do that. She thinks she's supposed to do that because of the lessons that were taught her by Joel. And I think that it's just interesting. I think it's an interesting point in gaming history. You think about where protagonists were at back in 2013 or where entertainment was at and you think about where we are now. And there was always, Ellie's perspective was always there. It's just that obviously Joel was front-loaded. He is the playable protagonist. Um, but you do spend a lot of time with Ellie. And I think that when you start thinking of The Last of Us as Ellie, story I think that's just a as a trilogy or, or even as a two piece now yeah. um, it's like you had like Joel's part of her life and then you've got Dina's part of her life and then we'll see whatever happens after that um, but I think it, those different elements land differently when you're not thinking of it as Joel's story right yeah I think that's totally true as well and I think like you say you know the part one sort of rebranding now mm. that Naughty Dog is allowed to put Ellie front and centre because they got a lot of pushback uh, about doing that at the time a lot of people just wanted Joel on the cover for instance but they were from like, the executive no. point of view apparently not necessarily the fan but I think it oh, was, no, yeah, yeah, totally. it was like, like a business thing. Yes, yeah, so I mean like business, you know, marketers who were like, you know, don't put the girl, the the young girl on like the poster mm. because it probably won't sell, put the dude on it. And they were <laughs> like, ah, oh, but it's as much her story as it is Joel's, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I like that they're finally able to do that now with the part one rebranding being like, look, Ellie is- Look at the new box art. Like, yeah, I mean, look yeah. at the new box art, 100%. And we're going to go on a slight tangent right mm. now because The Last of Us Part Two actually reminds me of Better Call Saul, which Ooh. is the Breaking Bad prequel, which could have been like a real- fan service heavy show it mm. could have been and initially was pitched as a half an hour comedy starring Saul Goodman doing tricks and kind of not <laughs> having much depth essentially giving the fans what they wanted from the character as he was depicted in Breaking Bad but as a prequel they decided to not do that and not dive into the kind of fan service side of it mm. and in many ways especially in the later seasons actively avoid giving you kind of uh, too many parallels to the Breaking Bad story yeah. and it wanted to be its own thing. It wanted to give you a new perspective on this character. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's what The Last of Us Part 2 does. It could have been another Joel and Ellie adventure. And you do kind of get that with some of the flashbacks that are in the game, but instead it offers you a different view of a character that you know intimately. And mm. then, like you said, reframes what came before. And for me... That's why it's so... Well, that's why I love it so much. That's yes. why it feels so rich, because it not only works as its own thing, but it makes you look at the thing that you already loved in a different light, yep. which is also, like I said, what Better Call Saul does, which is why I was making that comparison. No, totally. I think that and one thing I love as well is you think about, like, Ellie as a character and how much she... Like, you know, when she's younger in Last of Us Part 1, like, she just wants to... Just, just wants to love. Like, there's a part of her that just wants to love. Like, there's that scene where she's going face to face, face to face with Joel in Last of Us One, where she's like, you know, I thought that we had something. I thought this was different, and I wasn't just cargo and whatever. Um, and that's such a powerful scene. And you kind of see this person who's just been brought up in the apocalypse and just wants to try and connect with someone, whether it's Riley, whether it's Joel, and um, whether it's Dina, Tommy, whatever. And I think if you kind of just take that across both games, you see her like trying to forge connections, being afraid of doing it, and then horrible things happening when she lets herself be vulnerable and she's steeling herself against that it's like okay every time I try and be human something else happens and I feel like there's a whole side of The Last of Us as a fiction 
um, which is the Last of Us name is like you think. I always used to think of it as population, like it's literal numbers. It's the Last of Us because it's popular. It's a literal populace. This is what's left. The way the Last of Us one opens with like the military has cordoned off what's left, and they're like putting people through processing and everything else. But I think of it more now as the last of what's left, the remnants of humanity. And I did say this in the 2020 video by explaining the ending. I think the Last of Us, ironically, is one of the most like human enriching stories, one of those positively viewed, um, energetic, uplifting uh, franchises going, even though it's dire as hell, but because it's about the little moments of light in there. Like it's about the fact that the game is so like pro-animal and pro-animals and pro-music and pro-companionship and love and everything else. And it's about wrenching those elements of humanity back from the apocalypse. And I feel like, again, when you view it that way, it makes more sense. You just need to not think of it as Joel's story, essentially, um, or like Joel's trilogy or whatever. And that is potentially a fault with the marketing. Um, Like there's maybe a way that I would have (laughs) redone the lead up to The Last of Us Part 2. Or they could have always had a part one, but I guess they didn't necessarily know they were going to do a part two until later. Um, But Ellie's agency, like you said, was always in there. It was just like, in in terms of the box art, it was kind of buried in terms of her being the, the face of The Last of Us. That just couldn't be the case. And there is the reality that we are playing as, and it's not that Joel's point of view is um, not important. It obviously is. Um, But I think that it's also just as interesting saying like, okay, if we focus on Ellie overall, where she was in part one, where she is in part two, she's just trying to forge some connection whilst learning the lessons of the world around her and where that leads her. Um, And scenes like, um, you know, in uh, part two, when she comes across what Tommy's been doing and how he's been torturing people and she sort of learns, okay, this is how I need to force this person to talk to me. Um, And it's just doing things that she thinks she's supposed to. um, Where she says at the beginning, you know, like, you know, if this, if Joel was doing X, Y, Z thing, he'd be doing this. And it's like, that's what I'm going to go and do. I'm going to go like carve a path through half of America and get some answers. Um, And it's just like, okay, but there's this whole other way that you could be living, making itself available over here. Why don't you do that? And it's like this whole conversation with video game violence and everything else, um, which just keep going on about stuff. There's a bit that was always in the trailer where she kills a person playing a PS Vita and they're playing uh, Hotline Miami and they, um, and like one of the main taglines of Hotline Miami is, um, do you enjoy hurting people? Hmm. And uh, which is in itself, I mean, I, this is always in there. I was noticed this in, in back in 2020, but I like that whole thing of Ellie giving into the violence side of her. It's not that the violence isn't a release. She definitely has rage because of what happened at the start. Um, but yeah, all those conversations around the utilization of violence, which I think is something that God of War did so well, um, is also in The Last of Us. It's just that it needs to come more from Ellie's perspective and not yeah. a lack of what's not there. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it's important to come <laughs> It's important to come to, from Ellie because Joel is so entrenched in that life. Mm. He almost can't get out of it, right? Mm. You know, he's living a more subdued life in Jackson in part two, mm. but there's still that part of him that's kind of almost inherently broken from what he's seen from always lived through from like the 20 years of just kind of you know being a bandit and being a dick with his brother Tommy and stuff (laughs) putting him through the ringer uh but Ellie kind of still has the potential to be better yeah and I love that Joel is still incredibly important to the story because he's like he's still the anchor he has such influence on her Mm. and she's kind of figuring out how to take the lessons from this father figure, this tragically flawed father figure mm. uh, that she like loves, and how does she get? How does she become better than him? And I love that. That's essentially the story of part two. It's like how, mm. like, what, like trying to figure out well, 
what his teachings actually were. Yeah. It is not just about being the meanest, the toughest uh, dude in the West. It's about <laughs> also, you know, caring and loving and trying to balance the two, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's their ultimate comment on, like, the things that they seed with um, the Seraphites and the WLF and all that kind of stuff of, like, hate manifesting in a religious context or a militaristic context and, like, you know, conflict breeds conflict kind of thing. And um, that being, you know, you can just settle down with someone and love and start a family and have a richer life that way you don't have to give in to all this conflict stuff yeah I think at like a base level you know like Druckmann and like you mentioned there like the last of us one was always talked to be about love and yeah. for whatever Joel did in that game yes it might have been selfish love but it was out of love you know mm. what I mean he did some abhorrent things but it was out of love for Ellie and mm. I think the last of us part two is about hate because Ellie's motivations are so driven by mm. hate like it's, it's it's like an assumption of hate like she definitely has yes, some of it but like the, totally. the lens that she goes to 100 percent. and i think ultimately like again we're skirting around spoilers to mm. an extent like her journey through that game is kind of figuring out how to um why why is she doing what she's doing in kind of figuring out that it is mostly rooted in hate mm. rather than the love for someone else because if she was truly doing what she's doing out of love like mm. Joel arguably was in the first game she wouldn't go to the extremes that she did nope. and I like that that kind of like pulls her back towards the end mm -hmm. I'm explaining this really poorly but I'm no, really trying to was. not explain I'm trying not to spoil too well, much is, about what happens in I think game. we'll do um, obviously when Last of Us Part 1 comes out we're probably going to go through that and I think you're going to end up playing Part 2 again so we might do another like a proper spoiler cast towards the end of the year because I feel like you aren't about the, you know, the, the discourse earlier on and there's so that Last of Us 2 is so such a weird, such a cloud over that IP. Like, it's just, it doesn't get its day in the sun that much because people just don't like talking about it because, oh my God, there's this big reaction online. But we're two years after that. We have to be able to have healthy conversations about games that are worth having conversations about. And so I think maybe we do do another spoiler cast on The Last of Us 2 um, towards the end of this year and talk about how it sits after going back through part one. And if any of the, um, you know, the re-renderings of those characters make any parts of part one land differently. Um, but yeah, I like the whole thing of um, humanity in, in an apocalypse and what does that mean to be human? What does it mean to love and care and, and hate as well? Um, all coming through Ellie. She's like born in the apocalypse or at least she's very much grown up through it um, and just taking on these lessons that this is how she thinks she's supposed to be. Um, and then like growing up as herself and having her own agency um, and getting lost in a world of violence because that's that's the world presented to her. And is there a way to be better than that? Um, super quickly, do you think if they do a part three, um, they do they fill out that gap with Joel? Because you have that bit where he at the very beginning of Last of Us One, he's taking care of Sarah. He's like he's like a trucker or something. He's a, he's a haulage guy. Um, assumedly, he's moving ca um, cargo around. And then next time we see him, he's with Tess and he's done some horrible things. And he refers to what he did um, in that gap. And so do you? Is that the way you do a part three? You do Ellie learning to be better and you do the downfall of Joel and you show how he got to that point? I don't think so. Just because I, I feel like that's already... There's enough in there to understand why Joel is the way he is. True. I don't think you necessarily need to see it. Mm. Like, it, you already know that he's done some bad stuff. And I don't know what you would necessarily gain from showing that. It would be cool to see, mm. no doubt. But from a storytelling perspective, it, I don't think it would change anything viewing that I just think thematically, like, if you, if you really want to button, if you want to put a button on how someone becomes so lost, like, morally or, like, um, yeah, in terms of, like, being able to do what he did at the end of Last of Us Part 1, then maybe you do show the descent of someone, like, giving in to the barbarism side of it and giving in to yeah. like, being increasingly violent and there was that friction between Joel and Tommy because it's, like, Tommy who's, who's clear like Jill says, I got us through this. Like you weren't prepared to do what I did. And we don't know what that was necessarily. Yeah. 
Um, but it's like, maybe you show that and then you parallel that with, um, like I said, like Ellie realizing that that's not the way to be. And there are other ways to be even in a world full of hate or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I wonder what they're going to do for a part three. They've said, like I said, they've um, sketched out a draft for it and stuff. So maybe we'll eventually get a Last of Us part three. For me, uh, not to elongate this point mm. for forever. Yes. But uh, if they were going to do that, I think it would have made more sense in part two where right. Ellie is kind of falling off the rails and sure mm. how she's maybe paralleling Joel at the start of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Going forward, I want to be like... I want Joel's influence to be the man who he is in part two, like the kind of more right. mellow dude who's like learned from those lessons yeah. and being like, look, I've, I've been this bad guy. Like I've, I've pushed me and my brother through this apocalypse, but at what cost? He like doesn't like me anymore. He resents the things that I made him do to survive and whatnot. Like well, I think Tommy likes Joel. He, he loves him, but yeah. like like you said, you know, it, when he first meets, when he meets him in part one, he's he, it's frosty. Yeah, he hasn't yeah, seen yeah. him in years. He thinks he's a piece of trash, and <laughs> he does resent what they did yeah, to, survive, yeah, to survive, like the kind of bad dudes that they at least fell in with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely love there, but. Honestly, I'd kind of maybe contest the fact that he likes him. I oh, think in part two, I think because part hand, two, yeah, yeah that's what sure, I'm. Yeah, I thought that's what you were referring oh, no, to. Oh no, part one. Sorry. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I think there there is still some ground to cover there if they want to do it. It depends how much they think Naughty Dog. They think that they have to do Joel stuff. Yeah. Um, coming out of Last of Us Part Two, I would rather like just do something completely different at this point. But I would I would also take filling in those gaps because there are bits that you can still do if you want to do the the descent of man, let's say, in terms of like giving in to primal instincts or whatever it is to get by um, and do that whole thing with Joel, how he becomes this like machine that he is in like 2013. Yeah. Um, the 2013 game. So now we would usually do some gaming news, but I'm realizing that we're 40 English minutes into this. Wow. So um, we're going to wrap some stuff. I uh, mentioned that there were um, gaming bits and pieces doing the, doing the rounds, but we'll just do some video versions of them. We'll stick them up on the YouTube. Um, so go check those out for now this has been the wind up I've been Scott Hilford joined by Josh Brown always a pleasure Scott Hilford always a pleasure to be heard by all of you and we'll catch you next week goodbye goodbye have a Guinness small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.